God, we thank you that at the core of who you are, you are a way maker. You're a miracle worker. God, you, you take situations that, God, the, the situation that somebody might be standing in right now, they might not know the situation that it's going to require to get them out of where they are right now, but Jesus, you know. God, they might not know how to get stuck, get unstuck from a situation. They might not know how to get out of an addiction that they've found themselves in. God, I know some people right now are facing some insurmountable tasks. God, debt that is overwhelming, a sickness that seems all-consuming, death, God, for a loved one or a family member that might have felt like it's just taken the wind out of their sails, they don't know how they're going to go forward. God, I thank you for the goodness of your word that shows us that you know the way forward, you know the solution, you have what it takes, you have what our debt requires, and God, I just thank you today. As we stand in your presence, wherever people are watching this from, we, we worship a God that makes ways where there is no way. We, 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 we serve a God that turns oceans and seas into highways, a God that takes dead and dry bones, turns them into armies, a God that takes death and raises it again to life. God, you don't see a situation that has ever intimidated you. And so, God, I just speak this and declare this over some people this weekend. We have a good, good, good message. So, God, I just pray as we prepare our hearts today, Lord, would you speak to us in a profound way, a way that a message can, a way that a, a communicator can't, a way that an illustration can't. God, would you speak to us to the depths of our hearts? Would you just cut to the deepest places of who we are? Would you alter, God, the very foundation of our belief, that thing that everything out of our life flows from? Would you affect us? Would you change us? Would you mold us? God, we want to be a part of seeing the world changed. We want to be a part of you releasing our calling and our destiny to do things we could never imagine doing on our own. Would you do that through us this weekend? And every single crazy person that calls Red Rocks Church home said, amen. amen. Come on, you can be seated. You can be seated. You can be seated. I'm excited for a couple reasons. Number one, first and foremost, I feel like I got a word on my heart that's really going to minister to us this weekend, and I know that it's going to because it's ministered to me this week. The second reason I'm very excited is because I just moments ago drank a Red Bull, and my heart feels like it's going to explode. So we're going to yell, we're going to spit, we're going to have some fun, we're going to nerd out on some Greek and Hebrew like always. And we're going to have a jolly old time. I want to welcome you back um, to, to week nine of our series we're calling Kingdom Culture. And there has been some fire that has been dropped over the last several weeks. And uh, I, I want to I talk this weekend on something um, very specific. Every once in a while when I'm preparing a message, God gives me a person that he wants me to speak to. And the person that I felt like God wanted me to speak to this weekend was the person that feels like they have a calling from God. Like a, a person that feels like they've been set apart for God's purposes to do something uncommon. Somebody that feels like they've got a, a word, an agenda, a dream, a vision, a purpose that is going to be very significant. It's, it requires um, actions out of your life that could seem counterintuitive. I'm talking about people that feel like they have a call. 
And I know that there's a lot of people that somewhere along the line in your faith journey, you might have felt like, man, God has set me apart for something amazing. But it's very common that in seasons like this, have you ever felt like the wind gets taken out of your sails? Like maybe the dial gets turned back on the flame of your heart and, and maybe you're starting to question, am I really called to do something significant? Could God do something profound in my life? Have you ever been stuck in those situations where you're not really sure which way to go? And in church, guys, we, we, we wrap these kind of decisions and, and agendas into a word called calling. Anybody had some fear around missing out on your calling? If you haven't, just try picking your major. Like literally, universities are full of thousands of Christian students that are so worried that if I pick that to be a nurse instead of a business management major, I'm going to miss out on my calling. I picked dentists rather than veterinarian. And there's people that have such a fear, if I take a left turn, am I going to miss out on the calling when I should have taken a right turn? Should I have given money to the homeless person, and now I'm going to live the rest of my life in poverty because I missed my moment? Come on, somebody. You ever felt this when you're picking a spouse? I remember I had my ring. I was ready to ask Kara to marry me, and I broke up with her because I just worried, like, what if she's the, the wrong one? What if I miss out and it sets my life on a new trajectory and I miss out on my call? Have you ever been in a situation where you're, you're stuck between picking two career paths? You don't want to pick the wrong one because you might miss out on your call. See, I believe that there's a lot of people that are, are born with an inherent desire for purpose. You want your life to count. You want to have significance. You want to do something extraordinary with your life. It's the way that God made us. I love what the pastor Miles Monroe said. He said that the greatest tragedy is in life is not death, but a life without a purpose. My hope this weekend is that maybe for some of you, your purpose, your passion, your calling gets reignited under a new realm of belief. The Bible talks about the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks, and that the heart is the place where our beliefs flow from, and where our beliefs flow from, our life goes in that direction. And so I want to talk not just for three helpful things that you can do to get your calling back, get your passion back. I want to talk about something that my hope is that it's going to alter what you believe about God and what he thinks about you. If we can get to the place of belief, I promise you, it will change your life forever. That's why I'm fired up about this, because this message is brought to you in part by Instagram. A couple weeks ago, I put out on my Instagram just a question, and I was asking people, what are some of the things in your walk with Christ that, that just seem to like disturb your soul? You can't wrap your mind around it. It's just confusing. You, you feel like you know God's heart, but when it comes time to actually living it out, making decisions in line with that, picking a career path, picking a spouse. You ever been just really confused? So I threw it out on my Instagram. What are these things? What are the things that you wrestle with in scripture? And the number one thing that people responded back to had to do with calling. 
How do I know which job to pick? How do I know which major to pick? Uh, I have another job opportunity, but it's gonna require me to go to another city. Should I go to that city? If you've ever felt this, these are real questions. These are real concerns. But a lot of the times, under the guise and the philosophy of calling, it's stifled a lot of well-intentioned, well-meaning Christians from living with passion. It's kept a lot of people fearful about missing out or making the wrong decision because I don't want to miss out on my call. I want to clarify what your calling is all about, and I want to clarify God's role for you in fitting into that calling because if you miss out on that belief, I promise you, you're in for a world of confusion and frustration and apathy, and you get to a point where you just go, I just don't know which decision to make, so I'm not going to make one. I'll just stay here. I'll just stay put. I don't know what lies ahead. It's kind of comfy here. And what happens when we confuse our calling, we settle into apathy. What happens when we confuse our calling is we settle into what is safe. And I can promise you this, friends. The life that God intended for you was never meant to be safe. So I want to talk about our belief. One of the things that we get wrong, which is so strange sometimes, but it's so easy to do, is we misappropriate why Jesus came. If you've listened to any of my messages, you know that I hit this all the time. Why did Jesus come? What does he think about me? What should I think about? And ultimately, the question is, what does he want from me? Like, God, what do you want from me? I can remember sitting in my, in my, my college auditorium, and, and they were doing this chapel, and this preacher was up there preaching on calling, and he was bringing the word. He was firing me up. I'm like, I'm called and set apart, and, and his, his main point of his message was, students, every morning that you wake up, I want you to hit your knees before your bed and ask God, God, what do you want me to do today? And I remember hearing that going like, that sounds amazing. Would any of you disagree that that, that just it sounds good? It sounds like the right thing. Hit my knees and ask God, what do you want me to do today? So I did that. I'm ambitious. I'm like, I'm going to do this. I'm not missing out on my call. And I hit my knees and I would just say, God, what do you want me to do today? God, I want to do what you, what you want with my life. God, you know that I want to be used to do amazing things for your kingdom. And then day after day after day after day, it just felt like I wasn't really getting what I was hoping to get out of those times. My heart was pure. The lessons seemed appropriate and correct, but it didn't yield to me the fruit that I was hoping for. Over the years, God's kind of shaken my belief. And I want to teach you something from scripture that is reiterated over and over and over. So get your phalanges ready because we're going to flip through the Bible a bunch today. And I want to start by just messing with our belief on something that doesn't get talked about a whole lot. And my hope is that it makes you a little bit uncomfortable. I hope I, I say some things that might offend your mind or the way that you've believed up to this point. But in Colossians 2.6, it says some extremely pivotal things about why Jesus came 
and the repercussions for those of you and I that put our faith, hope, and trust in him. And they're going to put this up on the LED screen, so don't feel like you need to know where Colossians is. And it says this in Colossians 2.6, it says, now just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord. So if you've done this, lean in because he says this, you must continue to follow him. How many of you know it is not the same thing to accept Jesus as your Lord and to follow him? Those are two completely different things. We have lots of people that come into these rooms, open, lift up their hands, open their heart to God, say, I want to follow you. I want to accept you as Lord. And then they leave and never let it change their nine to five, the rest of the 24-7 of their week. He says, you must continue to follow him. Watch this, such amazing imagery. He says, let your roots grow down into him. It's kind of weird. And then it says, let your lives, let the entirety of your lives be built on him. Also kind of weird. And then he says this, watch what the byproduct is. He doesn't say, grow your faith. He doesn't say, stir up your faith, Christian. He says, the byproduct of you letting your roots grow deep and building your life upon him, it says, then, everybody say then, then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught. Watch this, another byproduct. He doesn't say muster this up. It says, and you will overflow with thankfulness. Go to the next one. It says this, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from spiritual powers of this world. But he says, but rather than from Christ. You can go back. I'm going to stay there for a second. He says, listen, don't let anyone capture you. Literally meaning to bind you up, make you feel like you can't move forward, break free, get freedom, experience joy. Don't let anybody capture you based upon empty philosophies. And he says this, uh, high sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from, watch this, he says, spiritual powers. That literally means spiritual principles. Can I ask you a question? Where do you hear about spiritual principles the most? The church. Can I tell you, even the Apostle Paul encouraged the believers. He says, hey, take into account everything that I've told you and put it, into the te- put it to the test. You can even hear well-intentioned preachers like I did on my college university saying something that to my ears sounded good. It sounds like that would come out of the Bible. It sounds like that's what I should do every day. Go before the Lord and go, what should I do today, God? Give me my agenda. My calendar's open. You tell me what to book in it. You tell me where to go. You tell me what to say, what to eat, how much to lift. Some of you are like, you're, you're kidding. You don't lift, and you're correct. He says, don't let people capture you with all of these things. From the spiritual powers of this world, watch this, rather than from Christ. You can hear spiritual things that are not from Christ. That's why it's so important for us as preachers here at Red Rocks Church, we always try to root everything that we say back to Jesus Christ. Because if you can't connect it back to Christ, I promise you, it might sound good for a moment, but if it doesn't bear fruit in your lives, check the source. 
Let's go to the last part because this is the part that's just amazing. It says this, for in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. I want you to think about this. For in Christ, everybody say in Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. Why would they need to say that? Jesus, the Bible says, was God. Of course, he's God. Why would it need to say that all of the fullness of God dwelled in Christ in his what? What? Human body. Friends, we're gonna unpack something that I promise you is gonna change your life. It's amazing. We don't talk about it enough. So it says this, so you also are complete through your what? Union with Christ. Let's read this again. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. Who in here has a human body? Conrad, you're a cyborg. Put your hand down. We're in a human body, and he's saying, in Jesus Christ, the fullness of God dwelled in his human mortal body. And he says this, so you also are complete through your union with Christ. (laughs) Oh, get giddy. It says, uh, who is the head over every ruler and authority. I want to talk to you just real quickly. When Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit created man, he created man, Adam and Eve, in the garden in perfect union with God, not based upon their behavior, their works, earning it, how much Bible they had. They didn't have a Bible. They just had God. They were in perfect union, a human, unified, God in the man and man in the heart of God. They had perfect union. And what Jesus came to do was reestablish the connection of man being in union with God. So what Apostle Paul says, he says, hey, (laughs) Jesus had the fullness of God in a human body. I feel like if he was preaching this, he'd probably go like, no, no, guys, you're not hearing this. Jesus had the fullness of God in a human body. Human body. Yeah, human body. And he says, just as you are complete, that word complete is amazing because it literally means to cram a net to cram a net full. You are complete, it says, literally meaning to have a full or perfect supply. So he says, listen, because, go back to the very first verse we, 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 we read, because you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord, that verse said, you are now fully complete, having the same union with the Father that Jesus does. Do you believe that about you? The reason I want to share this is because having union 
with Christ. The Bible says we're joint heirs. So everything that he inherited, we received his righteousness. We received his relationship with the father. We received favor. We received favor with man and with God. We received that authority over darkness and principalities and sickness. The Bible says we will do even greater things than Jesus Christ did. Friends, you have union with the God of the universe. And he's saying, you got to know this because the fullness that was in Jesus is available for every single person that accepts Jesus Christ as Lord. That's why he said, make sure after you've accepted him, you continue walking with him. Don't neglect the fact that the union that was restored when you accepted Christ is supposed to influence everything that you do in your life. You have union with God. The Bible says that the fullness of God dwells in man. Why? Because of Jesus Christ. Can I free you up? When you're making decisions in life, you can do so out of the belief in your union with God that he will influence your thoughts and desires. He will influence what you long for. He will influence your dreams. He will guide your steps. He will put words into your mouth that you couldn't have put there on your own. He will empower you to do far more than you could ever do on your own. Union with God, friends, is going to be the most significant thing in your walk to discover and walk in your calling. I don't want you to miss out on this. When the Bible refers to the word calling... I hope this frees you up. It is never in correlation with a career. Can some of you just exhale? <laughs> it's never meant to be in correlation with a career. Your calling was always to a who way before it ever is going to impact what you do. Do you understand that? Jesus' calling to you was a calling back to himself. It was a calling back to the Spirit of God that it would dwell inside of you in its fullness. The Bible says that the same Spirit that raised Christ up out of the grave lives in you. You have the same Spirit of God. You have a union that should impact your day-to-day, -day, everything you think, everything you long for, everything you desire, the words out of your mouth. You do so with union, perfect union with God the Father. And he's going, listen, I want you to be very clear that everything that kept you from this union to date, your sin, your shortcoming, your shame, your comparison, Everything that, that weighed you down and kept you back from having union with God, Jesus settled on the cross forever. That verse says that you are complete. That is a perfect present tense word, meaning in this moment and going forward, you are complete. The Bible says that the giftings and the callings of God cannot be taken from you. They are irrefutable. They cannot be stolen from you based upon your, your opinions. They cannot be stolen from you based upon your track records. Your calling is your calling, and God will make sure that it is seen through to completion. Now, I want to tell you why this is so important. 
A good friend and pastor of mine, his name is Birdie, he, he, he said it this way. He said, Ronnie, listen, if, if God wanted to, to, to teach you his heart, his will, his way, instead of having you come to him every day and asking, what should I do today? Imagine with me that my son, he's, his name's Rive. He's, he's amazing. He is just chunky and fat and the cutest kid ever. Imagine with me that, that Rive every day, his heart was to, to do what was in my heart. His heart was to do things that gave his dad pleasure. His heart was to do things that his dad longed to do and longed to achieve. And he, he wanted to please his father. Imagine that every morning Rive came down to the kitchen table and he sat there with me and he said, Dad, what should I do today? And then I told him. And then the next day he comes down and he says, dad, what about today? What should we do today? I want to do what, what makes, uh, puts a smile on your face and gives you pleasure and makes your heart happy. Dad, what should we do today? And I'd tell him, and then he comes the next day and the next day and the next day on surface value at dinner parties, other parents might be jealous that my son's doing this, but over time it's gonna get old because day after day after day after day after day, I communicate what is upon my heart. And he responds. If he came to me wanting to know what was in my heart, dad, what are you passionate about? What should we do today? What would be the best way for me to communicate that to him? Should I, should I write it out in a book, Conrad? Write him a letter? Should I text him it every day? Should I write him an email? Should I call him so he can hear my voice and the inflection like an audible voice? I'm gonna tell you what I want you to do, son. Should I visit with him in person in the flesh so he can see me and hear me? What would be the greatest way I can communicate my heart and my desires to my son who wants to do my will, wants to give me the, his, the, my father heart good pleasure, who wants to make his dad happy? What would be the greatest thing I could do to communicate that to him? Wouldn't it be if I could take my will, take my desires, and put them into his heart. Wouldn't, be that, wouldn't that be the greatest way for me to communicate my heart as a father into my son? The greatest way that God could ever empower you and guide you and direct you and instruct you and give you fresh passion and zeal. The greatest way that God could have ever done that is if he took his own will his own desires, and he placed them inside of a man so that from the very basis where his desires come from, he desires what God desires. He thinks what God thinks. He's empowered with the same power from his father. Friends, this is what the father did for us through Jesus. He said, I want to give you the very basis where your logic flows from, your belief, and I want to influence it. Jesus came with a message of repentance, and that word repent means think differently. Friends, Jesus didn't come to just change your life and make it better. He came to radically alter and give you a brand new one. The Bible says that you become a new creation, meaning that the very belief from where you think from is changed. The very desires that you long for in life are changed. 
The thing that you believe about yourself, it changes. And what you believe about God, it changes. Everything changes on the realm of your belief. And he goes, I'm coming to alter the way that you do life. I'm coming to alter the way that you relate to me. You think that if you miss out on an opportunity that I'm going to smack you and and punish you and push you aside. He's saying, no, 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 son and daughter, I filled you with passions for a reason. Live them out in union with me. This gets reiterated all throughout scripture. People have been asking Jesus the same question. In John 6, 28, some people came up to them just after Jesus had fed the 5,000, and they came up to him, and they, they said this in verse 28. They said, what must we do to be doing the works of God? What do we got to do to do the works of God? And look at Jesus' response. He doesn't give them a list of things that they got to go do. He doesn't give them a calling. He doesn't give them a job description. He doesn't give them a task list. He says this, this is the work of God that you believe in him he has sent. Friends, Jesus knew that if I can just get people to believe in what I've done, if I can get them to believe in me, everything in their life, the fruit of their life will flow from that belief. Their identity and security will flow from that belief. How they serve people will flow from that belief. How generous they are will flow from that belief. Jesus knew, listen, game set and match is that you make me the Lord and the Savior of your life, and you believe everything that I did on the cross applies to you. God, what do I need to do to do your work? like kneeling beside the bed. Father, what do I need to do today? What do you want me to do today? And the response of Jesus Christ, believe in the one he sent, meaning believe in Jesus and the reason why he was sent. Because from that day forward, friends, from the place where your belief begins, it will change the way that you think about everything else. The more that I fall in love with Jesus and I hear about what he did for me and how it influences my day to day, the less confused I am about life. The less worrisome I am when it doesn't seem like I have enough money in the bank account for the bills that lie ahead the less confused I am about maybe missing an opportunity or saying yes to the wrong opportunity and missing out on a whole life of blessing and benefit. I don't worry about that because I'm in union with him in everything that I do, he does with me. And where I go, he will guide me. And when I go wrong, he will correct me. And when I'm discouraged, he'll encourage me. I'm in union with him. Don't miss this. And this is how God works in you too. Look at Philippians 2.13. We could go all day looking at illustrations from the Bible on God doing this in the life of people. Notice what it says, Philippians 2.13. It says, for it is God who works in you. Watch this, to will and to act. It is who that works in you? God, 
Have you ever noticed that you have some wrong desires from time to time? Just me. Whose job is it to change those desires? I'm telling you, this is going to free you up, and I promise you, you're going to live in a new level of freedom that you've never experienced before. He doesn't say, change your will and change the way that you act. He says, it is God who works in you both to will and to work or to will and to act. He says, in order to fulfill his good purpose. Remember my son sitting at the, at the dinner table with me going, dad, what should I do to make your heart happy? What's your good purpose for me? What's the desire of your heart for my life? He says, if you want to know that, let God work in you and he will provide the will to do so and empower you to act. Friends, this way of living and this way of thinking, this is why the Bible says that it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. When the, when, the, when the gospel message came to humanity, it was not a list of things that we must do for God. It was a message of what God has done for us. And so when we approach this relationship with Jesus Christ, he doesn't have a long list of things that he's demanding from you. He's not asking you to change your life, change your behavior, change the way that you think. He's going, could you just create some space for me? Could you truly make me the Lord of your life? Help, help see me as over everything and allow that to influence what you long for, influence what you desire, influence what you crave. Friends, I promise you that this will change your life if you can get this into you. I want to read something in another translation, that same verse. It says this, for God is working in you. Can I encourage you? He's working in you. Can I also encourage you? Let him continue the work that he began. It says, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. If you allow him to work in you, I promise you the desire will properly flow from you and you will have this crazy energetic power and passion to do the very thing that God wants you to do. But first, you have to allow God to work in you. I want to read a passage, and this is the thing I'm most excited about this weekend. It jumped off of the pages, exploded in my heart when I heard about it. Uh, I want you to flip in your Bible to Psalm 37.4. For some of you, this might be on coffee mugs. You, you might have heard this before, but I, I want to read this passage to you in hope that it, it, it illuminates something fresh and something new in your heart. The Bible says this in Psalm 37.4. It says, delight. Everybody say, Delight. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And band, you can come up. It says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Can I tell you how I've understood this in the past? I'm a pastor's kid. I grew up in the church. My dad's a great preacher. I've heard the word preach. I knew the word, but the way that I interpreted this passage my whole life was, if I can just get the, the delight meter in heaven to get all the way full and to go green. A siren will go off, kind of like at Chuck E. Cheese. A siren will go off, tickets will go out, and finally God will give me the sports car that I've been longing for. If I can just muster up enough enjoyment in my heart, he'll give me the house. 
I won't be single anymore. All I got to do is just delight in him. Oh, God, I'm trying to enjoy you. Oh, God, I'm trying. Oh, I love you, 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 love you. And then you're, you're, you're taking up at heaven's barometer, trying to figure out how full the delight meter is. See, God, are you happy with how much I've delighted in you? Are you ready to bless me? God, have I done enough work to earn your blessing? Works righteousness. God, have I, have I taken enough delight that you're ready to give me what I've been wanting? But when you, you study this in the original language, something really crazy happens. When you look at that word delight, fellas, I'm super sorry. But when you look at that word delight, this word delight means to be pampered by. What this passage is saying is it muster of more enjoyment of God. Like him more. Enjoy him. It's saying be pampered by the Lord. I want you to catch this. Be pampered by the Lord and he will give you the desires for your heart. It's saying, have you ever been pampered before? I'm not talking about like diaper pampered. I'm talking, Zach, like going to the spa, getting pampered, sitting in a sauna, relaxing by the pool, like getting, getting that hurt shoulder massaged and worked on and the pain begins to go away, getting nurtured, getting healed, getting restored. He says, I want you to be pampered by the Lord and thus God will give you the desires that your heart should long for. He's not talking about the Mercedes. He's talking about giving you desires straight from the heart of God. He said, can you be pampered by what God has done for you? Can you let God do his work? Can you rest in what he has done? God has satisfied every demand of the law, everything that you could have achieved but never would have, he did for you. Can you let that pamper you today? And the byproduct is God begins to work new desires, fresh desires into your own heart. And I promise you, friends, I, as I pamper myself in what God has done, I have never once longed to be a nanny. Never once. Never longed to be a nurse. Never once. Don't want to be a police officer? Never once. Not a barista or a veterinarian? Never once. Every time I'm pampered by God, something deeply connected to who I am and how I've been made and how I'm wired and the things that I'm good at, those things begin to erupt in my heart. It's fresh desires, exactly the way that God's made me. Fresh passions, tailor-made for me. Can I tell you that it is freeing when you begin to be pampered by what he has done for you. You'll watch as the natural desires of your heart begin to be restored and you'll watch as it's almost effortless how God begins to bring them into action. Can I encourage some of you guys? Some of you are so gifted. God's plan for you is so big. He wants to do something through your life it would blow your mind that is unordinary. It's extraordinary. And it begins with you being pampered by what he's done for you. And from that place, you watch as the way God made you 
Not the thing that everybody's told you you should be or, or the person everybody's told you you should be or, or all the doors that were closed in your face and so you thought, this just isn't for me. You watch as some of those desires begin to be reawakened as God pampers you with his love and his affection for you. New desires begin to arise. New passions begin to arise. So if we swap out these words, this is the revised version of this passage. Go to Psalm 37 for the revised version. It says, be pampered in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Can I say something that might seem weird? God wants to serve you, friend. The apostle Paul says, what can man do to serve God? He has no needs. The Bible says, I'm gonna read it for you. Matthew 20, 28, it says, for, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. How did God serve you? How does he want to serve you? He gave his life for you so that from this day on, you can live a life in union with the father. My desires are from the Father. My thoughts are in union with the Father. God came to serve you, and he did it through Jesus. He gave you righteousness as a free gift. Right living without you needing to living right. He, he gave us salvation that we can't work for or earn. He gave us purpose that we can't muster up, we can't fabricate, we can't manipulate or create. He gave us union with God that we don't have to strive for. And he came to serve us by giving us a calling that cannot be taken or revoked. Friends, would you let God serve you today with what he came to do? I wanted to preach this message this weekend because I believe there's some dormant dreams. I believe there's some things that God has placed on your heart, big calls, audacious calls, and where you stand right now, it seems impossible. So he says, let me work on you and I will both give you the desire and I'll act and I'll make it happen on your behalf. At every location, if you're, if you're able, would you stand to your feet? If you're in a living room, a dorm room, a coffee shop, get undignified, go for a walk. But I want us to lean in today because I believe that God wants to serve some of you afresh and anew with the gospel message that what he did should impact and influence every area of your life. And it empowers us, friends, to live a life of passion, to chase down the dreams that God has placed in our heart, and to live out the desires that he placed there and empowers us to live out. God, I just pray for every single person in this room. I pray for every single person watching online. Every person who's discouraged, every person who's lost their interest, every person that's lost their flame and their passion, God, I just pray, would you fan it afresh, afresh and anew? God, would you speak to them about your goodness and your mercy and your grace? God, I believe that dreams are coming alive again. Passion is being restored again. Excitement and energy for life is re being restored again. You're healing people, restoring people apart from their works, but according to what you've done, you're gonna serve us with that today. 
And if you're watching this, wherever you're watching from, here in the room or somewhere else, I just want to encourage you, if you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, this is step number one for God doing the miraculous in and through you. If you've never believed that Jesus was the Son of God and that he died on the cross to take the punishment that you and I deserved, he died so that we could have perfect union with God. He, he died so that he could forgive you from everything wrong you've ever done in your life. He, he died so that you could have passion and fullness of life. His was stripped away so that yours could be given to you. I wanna invite you into this. The Bible says all that you have to do is believe in your heart that he's Lord. He died upon the cross on your behalf. And the Bible says once you do that, watch as you begin to see the work of God, the handiwork of God, the desires of God born and birthed in your heart. And watch as you see the influence of God as he opens up doors no man could open, as he gives you favor nobody could give to you. But the first thing is, let him serve you. Let him pamper you with the goodness of the gospel and watch as God brings great things, things you could never do on your own to fruition. Friends, let's worship and let the goodness of Jesus Christ minister, pamper you, and serve you today. The best is yet to come.